Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. It is Tuesday, October 22nd. We're so glad you're here joining us. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And of course, I'm joined every week by a fabulous co-host. Couldn't do the show without him. The one and only Rick Stevens. He's also the editor-in-chief of our Rocket Sports Media brands and our founder. And uh, hey, how you doing today, Rick? Well, that sounds like an awfully busy role, but never too busy to be here <laughs> on From the Press Box. Well, it is, you know, you're right. It uh, does sound like a very busy role, and I will tip my hat to you here on From the Press Box as well, because last week... Uh, was National Bosses Day, and so gave you a little shout-out on Twitter and within our team and whatnot, but have to say it here for our listeners as well. Uh, The folks here at Rocket Sports Media, uh, the team here, we have a fearless leader in in Rick, and um, my gosh, does he just do so much behind the scenes, keeping us up and running and websites produced and updated and revamped and been 10 years with rock sports media and we thank you every day for all the work you do well it helps when you don't sleep but it also helps when you have a great team (laughs) and uh some really talented uh, very very talented people uh um i was going to say both sides of the border but 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 extends beyond all borders we have people all over the place uh so uh yeah the 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 talent um the talent that we have on our team and, and I should also a tip of the cap to some of the, those folks who uh, have spent uh, some time being, being trained and, and uh, working with us and, and developing contacts and, and then they become our alums and they move on and mm-hmm. they um, are equally successful uh, elsewhere. And, and uh, we appreciate those and especially those that, that stay in touch and, and recognize the valuable um, uh, mentoring that they received while they were with uh, the Rocket Sports team, and and uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of them out there. And, there's uh, a lot of them. Uh, yeah, and it's it's that's that's been a, a real fun part of being involved with Rocket Sports Media for past ten years is um, helping people uh, achieve their dreams. Well, we love it, and uh, so yeah. National Bosses Day last week. We'd be remiss to not mention it here on the show. Um, Speaking of the show, we've got plenty to talk about today. In the first segment, we're going to focus on the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. We're going to talk about uh, their most recent games. Uh, There's been some NHL call-ups, some AHL demotions to to review and, and talk about those choices and how those those decisions have panned out uh, as well as touch base a little bit about promises that coaches uh, have made to some young players and, and whether or not they've, they've come through on those. Um, In our second segment, we're going to go around the AHL, discuss the player of the week, uh, talk about uh, some different ways that you can watch some AHL games this year. Uh, Going to touch on a few names that will be familiar to Canadians and or Flyers fans uh, who've had their names in the news around the league this week in the AHL, uh, as well as just take a peek at the league rankings and standings. 
Uh, before we head to our final segment, beyond the AHL, uh, rosters were out for the OHL Canada Rush series, um, and so there's a familiar name who's who's made that roster. Uh, we're also just going to briefly touch on kind of a – I know on the Canadians Connection you guys have a segment called The Big Topic where you break down one really big important topic, and, and while this is not necessarily that, we are going to touch on something a little more – subjective, shall we say, kind of a, you know, from the press box class on um, player interviews and and how you can't necessarily take interviews always at face value. It's going to be an interesting discussion. You don't want to miss that. Uh, and that'll be uh, towards the end of the show before, of course, we preview our coverage for this week. There's lots going on. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great show. It was such a busy show. I, I, I don't see that agenda item that, that, that I had suggested, and that was a full review of the NFL standings. And uh, uh, particularly after my Vikings has won their third game in a row rather convincingly over uh, the Detroit Lions. And now with a 5-2 and two record, there's I saw a power ranking came out today with Vikings at number five. And uh, uh, they – defensively, offensively, they're getting it all together. So I, I just hoped we'd have time to talk about the Vikings and, and maybe you'd like to talk about your Philadelphia Eagles as well. And I'm sure Gibby would like that. And, and um, no, we're not going to get a t- chance to talk. Did about you have a, did you have a national day of the week? There's, I think that's <laughs> you, on you the know what the national day is. You know what the <laughs> national day is. It's silly. What? It's really silly. <laughs> It's National Make a Dog's Day. Oh. Well, okay. But they like Aww, live the, puppies they like and all live that the, kind of stuff. They like live the but best life already. Every day. Every single day. A dog's life is wonderful every day. Uh, I and didn't then, see the... okay, we'll get a mail. Oh, the shelters. And yes, okay, <laughs> go and adopt a dog and, and all those kinds of things. But yeah. dogs who are in loving homes have wonderful lives every single day. They don't need a special dog's day on the 22nd of October. Well, dogs make our day like every day. Well, they true, they do. To, so. yeah. I did see the Utica Comets um, were all on board with, with that, and they tweeted out pictures of two dogs out on out on the ice uh, there at Adirondack Bank Center and said, since it's national hashtag make a dog's day, uh, we brought some of the office pups out on the ice today. <laughs> There's just a couple of <laughs> a couple of cutie office dogs that are like, hey, hey, look at me. My paws are kind of cold. <laughs> well, cute. we're seeing that more and more with, with teams that are um, adopting dogs, and, and the Canadians are one of them. And, mm-hmm. um, and Flambeau got uh, big. Mm-hmm. The Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens dog. The first picture yep. I saw of him this season, I was like, Oh, he's not a puppy anymore. <laughs> they grow yeah, up. Uh, Jonathan Duran brought brought his dog uh, when he was when when he was facing some criticism. Nothing like bringing a, yeah, a let puppy me hide with behind my to, dog. Yeah, really. <laughs> that you was can't funny. say anything mean about me if my dog's here. Got a good publicist, yeah. Yeah. Not really, <laughs> Alan Walsh. No. Oh, well, yeah, really. actually, no. He's got a terrible publicist. <laughs> Terrible publicist. I'm proud to be one of the many who've been blocked by Alan Walsh. I'm very proud. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's like a badge of honor. 
Exactly. Same with Tony Marino. <laughs> you worst. know, I make uh-huh. friends everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And no, uh, congratulations to your Vikings. Uh, I think Gibby will probably back me up here that we're not going to talk about the Eagles um, because I, I, I don't know. They had a meltdown or something. They ate too much barbecue or brisket or something when they went to Dallas on Sunday. Um, yeah, it's not good. Not good. I mean, it does not help that 90% of our secondary is injured. And they're literally on like third and fourth string guys. So, I mean. Except Andrew Sandeo, who is your only, <laughs> yeah, well, only he good can't member do of the it all, secondary okay? from, from the Minnesota Vikings. At this point. Long time Viking. Yeah, well, we have him now. He's ours now. He's ours. That's all the football we're going to talk about. <laughs> But hey, you're Vikings. Other than Blaine, our other our other team member, Blaine, um, who's an ardent cheesehead. Yeah, um, the Vikings are coming. One game behind, and they are coming. Uh oh, Dem's fighting words. Uh huh. Going to see that showdown to be uh, to be continued. To be continued. (laughs) The Vikings play uh, Thursday night this week, don't they? They do. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't it's look like Adam Thielen's gonna gonna be ready for that one, but we that have other like weapons. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Dalvin, well, you know. Diggs. Dalvin. Diggs. Kirk Cousins, there's a weapon for you. Yeah, man, well, okay. we're just lukewarm. <laughs> although, he wa- although he was good on Sunday. He's been good. He was good on Sunday. Yeah, he was. But he's still Kirk Cousins. Okay, so this is a hockey show. We're going to move along and talk about some hockey, we promise. Uh, So let's kick things off, Rick, with uh, the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. I'm juggling, I'm juggling. Who do we want to start with? Who do we want to start with? Let's start with the Phantoms. Um, They were having a little bit of trouble. A little bit, not much. Um, Until they played... Binghamton last Friday night and man did they have a nice game Joel Farabee continuing uh his his excellent play scored his third goal uh that night uh, Misha Vorobiev scored the first goal of the evening on the power play the Farabee goal was on the power play Andy Andrioff two goal two goals consecutively one on the power play one even strength Lehigh Valley really just took it to Binghamton that night. They won that one four to one. Um, now, interestingly enough, Connor Bunneman was on the roster that night because Philadelphia did send him down to the Phantoms, uh, I believe, the night before. So he was down, but they didn't expect him to play that quickly. So he played on Saturday night, did an okay job. Basically, Elaine Vigneault uh, has said, I, I want Connor to go down and just play some big minutes and, and, you know, fit the pieces together. This is a case where Rick, um, and now we see Carson Torensky has been sent down as well in exchange for Faraby and Vorobiev getting called up and, and making their season debuts last night in Philadelphia for Faraby. It was his NHL debut. Um, 
and this is one of those instances where, you know, Alain Vigneault said the first six weeks of the season, there's going to be a lot of roster movement up and down because he wants to see who can do what. And for Torinsky and Bunneman, they made the cut out of camp because they were impressed. They were, they were head and shoulders above the rest at camp and were really finding ways to, to, to make an impact. Now, it's a little of the reverse. Uh, once the regular season started, Bunneman and Torinsky kind of, you know, none of them say they slowed down, still doing the right things, but the pieces weren't coming together for them. They weren't making as big of an offensive impact. Maybe they were making a few more mistakes. While uh, conversely, down at the AHL level, Joel Farabee's scoring goals left and right. Misha Vorobiev is scoring goals, getting assists, really smart defensive play. Um, so now it's time. Okay, let's see if that can translate uh, into into NHL minutes as well. Um, so for me, you know, glad to see that Lehigh Valley is continuing to do uh, well. They're finding that offensive production, and it's turning into guys getting called up and getting looks in the show um, pretty quickly in the season. Seems to be going going okay so far between both clubs. And and whether it, it was based on need or whether there was some sort of schedule uh, to the call-up uh, or, or the exchange of players, as you described, um, uh, you know, it's not for me to know. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's seemed like a good decision at the time. Uh, Bunneman and Torinsky, I, I, you know, I've talked about them. I like them. Uh, Bunneman right back to his days with the Rangers and Kitchener and, and Torinsky just uh, based on his play with the Phantoms last year, hard worker, um, uh, really good in all areas of the ice. Um, and it was that work ethic and, and, and um, you know, they performed uh, in the preseason and earned their spots uh, for the, op- to be on the opening roster. Um but the Flyers were really struggling to to score. They and and this isn't this isn't to be laid at the feet of of Bunneman and Torinsky, um, no. not what they were there for. Um, but it was the the veterans that weren't scoring for the Flyers, and I think they went into last night's game with uh, fifteen goals, fifteen goals overall, something like that. And, something and of course it wasn't there was. Much. As soon as as Vorobiev and, and Farabee were uh, recalled, uh, they had a <laughs> an explosion <laughs> of goals with with uh, six goals last night against Vegas. Of course, they really had nothing to do with the fact, but other than maybe no. uh, uh, propelling the veterans to uh, to uh, get out of their uh, goal scoring drought. Um, but yes, uh, of course, it's it's uh, nice to see. Um, you know, both Bunneman and Torinsky earned their way uh, onto the team and uh, yeah. Farabee and Vorobiev with their performance early in the season with the Phantoms have, uh, they've earned a, a, a recall and, and uh, Farabee was kind of uh, his, his first game was kind of overshadowed by the, the offense finally getting on track last night, mm-hmm. but um, uh, you know, he'll have other chances to, uh, uh, get his first point, his first goal uh, uh, in the NHL. Absolutely, and we're gonna we're going to return to that Joel Farabee subject in in just a moment here. But uh, first, want to switch gears over to the Laval Rocket. 
Now, of course, we know that uh, the first three games of the season for Laval uh, were quite concerning. They dropped their first three uh, tilts of the year. Uh, And then last week, last week and a half or so, has been a real test for the club, playing five games in eight days, uh, two on the road and then three at home. And as we mentioned last week, that kicked off with a win in Rockford on um, last Monday, uh, an afternoon game on uh, that was uh, Thanksgiving in Canada. So they played an afternoon game uh, and they won that game. Then they came home and managed to win a couple more. They they beat uh, the Providence Bruins on Wednesday and on Friday. Um, not that it was easy. <laughs> Providence has been pretty good in this preseason, as as the Lehigh Valley Phantoms will tell you. Providence were the ones who blanked the Phantoms on their home opener, um, and so Wednesday's Wednesday's game against Providence uh, was a bit of a battle. Um, Laval came out; it was Laval's home opener, so they came out all fired up. I'm sorry, it wasn't their home opener; that was the first weekend correction but they came out all fired up scored four goals in the first period Michael Pizzetta finally getting in the lineup uh, Lucas Vedemo Riley Barber Joe Cox four Laval goals one shorthanded one on the power play so whew, what a I mean just like shot out of a cannon Rick I think that's a phrase you've used before when talking about how Joel Bouchard's teams tend to come out in the first period and that's what they did. It was like they were shot out of a cannon. And then Providence proceeded to eat away at them over the next 40 minutes of play. And with just 18 seconds left in the game, tied it up and forced overtime. That game would eventually go to the shootout. And granted, Laval would win in the shootout. But to give up a 4 to nothing lead and potentially walk away with no points, uh, it could have been better. It could have been better. Then Friday night, uh, they played Providence once again. It was, again, a close game. They won that one 3-2. to two. Um, So they did get two wins there. Then Hershey came into town on Saturday night, and, oh, my goodness, what a, what a mess that game was. Uh, granted, there's a, there's a particular line we're going to talk about uh, who's been productive uh, for, over the course of the last week, but Aside from that, they really struggled. Uh, they dropped that game to Hershey 4-2, to two, um, including an empty net goal at the end. Um, so it's been a, a bit up and down. Uh, you know, they took for the week. They played four games in, in the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So it, it was a tough week of, of hockey for them. And they did come away with six of eight points for the week. Um, so there is the positive in that. They've got points on the board. They're no longer in last place in the division. I believe they're in fifth place in the division right now, which is which is serviceable. Um, but there are glaring issues that are still there. Um, the turnovers are terrible. Um, there's there's just there's a lot of shooting. <laughs> there's a lot of shooting happening in fact I believe yes the Wednesday night game that went to a shootout um, all sorts of shots uh, on goal there um, but not a lot going in the net and it's funny Rick because I had said 
I want to say it was after the Rockford game or possibly the game before that when Ryan, we've been kind of maligning all season long. Why is Ryan Paling stuck on the second and third line? Like give him a shot on the first line, give him real first line minutes and, and put some wingers with him. So, you know, Belzeal and Houdon have been the two guys who've been on the top line. Uh, and if those are the guys that you're looking at to be the, the, the play making wingers, I think I even said it on Twitter. Try Ryan Paling with them, for for God's sake, and just see what happens. Well, sure enough, Bouchard ended up bumping him up to the first line, centering Houdon and Belzeal. And wouldn't you know, Ryan Paling has started to produce. Uh, He's scoring goals. He's getting assists. Houdon has looked decent. Um, Belzeal seems to be struggling a little bit, but he's he's also been on the score sheet and, and with assists and so forth. And that seems to be a line, Rick, that's finally generating a little bit of offensive chemistry at the very least. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I've, I've heard the issue of uh, fatigue in so many games and in so many days and, and the, you know, the, the Laval rocket are on the top end of number of games played in the East uh, in the Eastern Conference uh, at seven, um, and the Lehigh Valley uh, Phantoms are on the low end of that scale at five games. But the the difference between five and seven is not is not that substantial. And and no. one of the things, and again, I, I have trouble with this whole fatigue thing because um, the 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 Rocket have benefited from from a home heavy scheduled to start the season they played seven yeah. games but five of those games have been at home that's uh, right so without without the travel um you know there was only one road trip uh, for two games and they split that that uh that series um they've they've been at home they're two and three at at home which has got to be better if um as the season goes along if they're going to uh have a hope of making the playoffs um but it's it's also during that that period where um you know we 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 saw that Ryan Paling um right after he was uh demoted to to the rocket and and with expectation that he had done everything and he said so uh to make the 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 big club that he expressed those frustrations and and the fact that he was upset publicly and it seems that uh, so for the first few weeks, he was punished, uh, punished for saying those things publicly uh, in a candid interview. He let his feelings be known. And that's just not what you do. And we'll, we'll, we'll no. be talking more about that in the, in the third segment. But um, so and, and also part of this, Joel Bouchard uh, developing allegiances to him personally or fealty, as I've, t- I've explained it before. Mm-hmm. There's there's breaking that player down, and so uh, Paling was on the the third line, and uh, with with wingers that uh, certainly weren't complimentary for him, um, and uh, it's taken him time, as you've explained, uh, for him to be put in a position where he can uh, show what he can do, and then perhaps earn his way back. And um, there didn't seem to be any kind of schedule, no plan. Uh, for him to be called up uh, soon was the the word that Bergevin, um used and and when asked to explain he, he really had no plan 
And it seemed like they were counting on an injury uh, to happen uh, before uh, recalling Paling. And maybe the Yol Armia injury will be the injury that um, facilitates that. That's yet to be seen. Um, so far, the, the Canadians have have not chosen to uh, replace, uh, well, replace on the roster uh, Yol Armia. Um, but Paling has certainly... Um, uh, now embrace the chance being with Houdon, being with Belzeal, uh, playing some power play time on the penalty kill as well. Um, just of note and just of interest, just because I tend to look at numbers, I find it fascinating that the Montreal Canadiens uh, are near the bottom of the league in terms of penalty killing. Um, and, and that, that, that kind of goes against where they were last year. They're doing fine on the power play, but, but really, really struggling, uh, on the penalty kill. And yet, uh, the Laval rocket are the number one team in the league, um, on the penalty kill and, and a kill rate of something like 95%. Um, yeah, they've it's been, ridiculous. they've been good with that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And it's, um, the pairings. Uh, Chris G sent those over uh, Belzeal and Evans uh, paling with, with Veroni uh, mm-hmm. uh, paling has been very good on the penalty kill. And then uh, the penalty kill unit uh, or the pairing that we saw a good deal last season, which is uh, Vedamo and Yevpulov. Um, so uh, paling's getting an opportunity to show in, in, in different aspects of the game, uh, that um, that he can succeed, and that uh, I don't think there's any question that he's an NHL player. But he had to go through this process, um, and uh, looks like he's primed for a call up. And let's hope that comes soon. I agree with you there, and on a number of different levels. And we're actually going to tie this now back into. I know. Habs and Flyers fans don't always get along, but it's it's funny how topics related to the two teams complement each other quite often. So we're going to tie these two subjects together. Um, yes, I agree. He there's no doubt he he will be playing in the NHL. Yes, I agree. He needs to be called up soon, particularly because Mark Bergevin told him when he cut him, "You'll be back soon." And as you mentioned, Rick left it kind of open-ended. Um, but that it took a little while for Paling to come down and, and wrap his head around what had happened and wrap his head around, okay, I'm in the American League now, and okay, this is a bit different than it was in the NHL, so now I have to kind of adjust my game yet again and get used to this. And, you know, he had to work his way through the lineup a little bit, get the coach to get him on a on a – a good pair of wingers that he can have some chemistry with. And sometimes a lot of times that process needs to happen. Um, For Joel Farabee, we can, we can, we can look at Joel Farabee and Ryan Paling because they're both rookies this year, both expected to play in the NHL. Both of them made it really far through camp and were the last to get cut from their respective camps. And both of their coaches, both of their coaches and or GMs, in Farabee's case, it was Vigneault. In Paling's case, it was Bergevin. But both were told, keep doing what you're doing. 
Go down and work your butt off. You'll be back soon. As you've mentioned for Mark Bergevin, we don't really see a plan in place for that to happen. And as you say, maybe, maybe an injury to Yolarmia makes that happen. We don't wish an injury on anyone, but if, if that creates the space to give Ryan Paling a shot, great. Whereas on the Flyers' side, Alain Vigneault coming through with his promises. As I said at the beginning of this segment, Alain Vigneault told the media at the end of training camp, expect a lot of roster movement up and down between, Le- between Allentown and Philadelphia in the first six weeks of the season. And so as soon as he's got guys that he kept on the roster that aren't quite maybe living up to snuff, send them down, call up, call up two other guys. And one of them is the guy that I said, you keep doing what you're doing and you go down there and you work. I'm going to see you back here real soon. And sure enough, Farabee made his NHL debut last night. I think for me, that goes a long way when a coach or, or a GM tells a young player, okay, I've got bad news for you. You're going down right now, but here's what I'm, here's what I'm promising you. Here's how this is going to go. And then follows through on that. It allows the player to trust the management, trust the coaching, and then they'll trust the process more. They'll trust the system more and they'll be more willing to fall in line, do what they need to do when they know that, Somebody's got their back. For Ryan Paling, I don't want to see him stifle down in the AHL. Not that he can't learn plenty in the AHL. That's not the point. He can. Having Playing big minutes on a top line in the AHL is, is going to get him good experience. However, those comments from Bergevin are going to be in the back of his mind. He said I was going to get called up soon. And if the first call-up happens and it's not Ryan Paling – then I'm gonna have then I'm gonna have a lot more to say about it at that point because now you've then you've broken a promise to a young prospect. Well, and and it's it's I mean you understand circumstances. Uh, mm-hmm. You understand that uh, you want to reward good play, but um, the Canadians again, and I've, I've said it a thousand times, they're they're not very good at transitioning the players. And uh, so the, the call-up is the first step. Second step is, um, is giving him opportunity to play. And, um, you know, we've seen it, some tough love when it comes to uh, Kale Fleury and, and Nick Suzuki and uh, their treatment by Claude Julien. And, and um, that all they want is just, an opportunity to play and sure there's going to be mistakes. Uh, but, but let, let those mistakes be a learning experience and move on. Not a, not an excuse to sit a player in a, in the, the press box. And certainly uh, Ryan Paling um, when he is called up is going to want to make an impression. And that's mm-hmm. when you start to do things outside yourself. That's when right. you start to think too much rather than rely on, on the, the instinct, the things that got you there. And um, that's, that's where the Canadians don't do a good job uh, transitioning those players. And, and again, all we can, you know, there's all this talk about all of these prospects in the, in the pipeline. Uh, That's great, but it's not so great if, if you're not managing them proper properly and giving them uh, the opportunities that, 
that they de- deserve. Absolutely. And and to Vigneault's credit, when he called Faraby up, Faraby wasn't playing fourth line minimal minutes last night in his debut. He was on the third line and he was on the number one power play unit. That And, and Vigneault literally after skate yesterday morning came out and said to the media, if I'm calling the kid up, I am going to put him in a position to succeed. I'm not going to set him up to fail. And I was like, like, thank you. That's, that's what, yes. Give them, give them the tools to go out and wow you. Um, You know, don't make them afraid to make a mistake. Don't put dead weight on their lines. Don't, you know, all of it. Um, And at the same time, you know, there were plenty on, on flyers, Twitter who were saying, okay, but remember, you know, Rick, as you said, the Flyers were having a lot of trouble scoring before last night. And so then, you know, you go, you swing the pendulum the other way and you say, but hey, let's not forget, this is this kid's NHL debut. And for Vorobiev, who's been kind of up and down, it's his season debut. Do not expect, don't put the pressure on them and expect them to come in and be the solution for the team. And fortunately, what happened was kind of the perfect amalgamation of the two um while neither one of them got on the score sheet for whatever reason other than Vorobiev oh yes sorry Vorobiev Vorobiev did um yeah he got an assist on program he had an assist but yeah but yes so but not you know scoring goals left and right and neither neither had a goal but they each had pretty decent games and maybe them being there as you said, as you alluded to, maybe that sparked the veterans a little bit and woke their sticks up. So it was kind of the perfect combination of the two, and it gave it gave them a great first game of the season to build off of. So, um, well, one of the things that that Vigneault said after the game was he really liked the energy of the team, and and maybe yeah. that uh, that helped. And and uh, as you said, Farabee was put in a pretty good role. 14 and a half minutes is, is, uh, you know, not, That's... not a player who's being used sparingly. So, no. um, uh, 14 and a half minutes, he, he, he looked like he fit in, uh, mm-hmm. there was energy, he was keeping the pace. It was, it was, um, um, it was, I, I think, uh, like, like you said, Farabee didn't get on the score sheet, but he acquitted himself very well. And, and Vorobiev, uh, picked up a, uh, an assist on Provorov's goal, so he was was fine, and uh, and I think um, uh, you know both have earned uh, an, a, uh, an equal opportunity next time to uh, to see what they can do. Absolutely, and uh, keeping our fingers crossed that Ryan Paling continues to progress upwards, and hopefully upwards enough that he's going up to the NHL. Maybe he gets a call up soon. Would love to see that happen for him. Um, because I would like to see the same scenario that's happening for Joel Farabee right now. I would like to see that happen for Ryan Paling in the same kind of successful way. So hoping that those building blocks are there um, for, for Bunneman and Torinsky, I think it's, it's no one. I don't think anyone expected either one of them to make the team out of camp. So the fact that they did is a testament to, to the work that they've put in. And I think it's, it's okay for them to come down to the AHL and, 
and try to put things together again and see if they can get that offense going again. And, and if they do, I think they'll be back up with the team in no time. With that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to go around the AHL and uh, talk about all things American Hockey League. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my fabulous co-host, Rick Stevens. And hey, don't forget, you can, uh, whether you're, of course, you're listening to us on demand right now, but you can contact us anytime, uh, seven days a week, uh, right there on Twitter. If you've got a question, a comment, some feedback, or you just want to talk about hockey, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at the AHL report. And we would love to hear from our listeners uh, all around the world. So don't forget to find us on Twitter. Now, Rick, the American Hockey League has uh, it's really start things have started to really heat up now that we're yeah we're it's like we're in the third week of the season so things are starting to happen. Um, one thing that we know happens every week, of course, is the CCM AHL Player of the Week is named, and we mentioned the Utica Comets last segment uh, as they're making the the puppy dogs happy on what is now, of course, your favorite National Day of the week. <laughs> um, but they were also in the news for other reasons this week. Uh, they announced that the Utica Comets forward Nikolai Godolbin was selected as the CCM AHL player of the week in three games for the Comets last week. Rick Godolbin had seven assists, eight points and a plus seven rating. Well, the comments are uh, certainly good. an offensive power um, uh, with three. Uh, sorry, that's four players in the top 20 uh, mm-hmm. scoring race. Um, Cole Lynn, they have uh, Sanberci. Uh, Godobin is, is third overall, nine points. And Reed Boucher leads the AHL in, in scoring. And, and uh, Godobin is an interesting guy because, um, um, you know, he's – He's had over la- the last two seasons, I guess, with with the Canucks, over 100 games in the NHL, uh, 63 games last year uh, in the NHL, 27 points. And, and so um, didn't make the roster uh, out of camp this year and, and uh, starting in the AHL, but he's making a strong case of, of why he wants to get back uh, to the big club in Vancouver. 
Fabulous. So congratulations to him. Uh, it's a pretty impressive week. And uh, when we get, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Utica towards the end of this segment. Uh, but the one thing people always ask is, oh, how do I, how do I watch we have Alley Phantoms games if I don't live in the area, or how do I how do I watch Laval Rocket games? And of course, we always say you can always subscribe to AHL TV. That's where you can get streaming for all the AHL games. Uh, but it does cost you a little bit of money. It's not a free service. Um, but once again, this year the AHL has announced that the NHL Network is partnering with them to air some live AHL games this year. And this year. They are they're they're hitting a new record this year, Rick. There will be 20 live AHL broadcasts on the NHL Network during this season. It is the most live AHL regular season game telecasts ever in a single season on the NHL Network. Really, I have to say, testament to the fact that hockey fans are waking up to the knowledge more and more that the American Hockey League is a legitimate league. It's a competitive league. And it's the feeder league for your NHL teams. And I think as more people um, focus on the American Hockey League, you're going to see a lot more of this kind of uh, live coverage happening on a national network like this. Um, So, yeah. It's an an interesting league. There's just all kinds of very interesting storylines, as as we, we talk about week to week. Yeah. Uh, but, um, in, in the teams that you follow and, and, uh, maybe names that, that, uh, you recognize that are with uh, different organizations now. That's true. Now, of course, two of those, two of those events that are happening, uh, the AHL all-star skill competition and all-star challenge, of course, always appears on the NHL network. Uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms fans, if you are not living in the in the southeastern eastern Pennsylvania area and you don't get to watch the Phantoms very often, you are going to like the schedule. Um, the Phantoms game against the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins on November 6th will be aired on the NHL Network, as will their game on January 12th against the Cleveland Monsters, their game on February 9th against the Hershey Bears, and their game on March 8th against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers all home games for the Phantoms at PPL Center. That's four games for them. That's fantastic. Four, uh, One-fifth of the live games are all going to be Lehigh Valley Phantoms games, which is which is pretty spectacular. Um, Laval, you are not forgotten. Uh, you do have one game which will be featured on uh, NHL Network, and that is the Sunday uh, – sorry, Thursday, April 2nd game at the Toronto Marlies. Uh, the Marlies have like, I don't know, like eight – Nine of the they have a lot of the, the NHL Network games. So uh, Laval's game against uh, the Marlies in Toronto on Thursday, April second, will be on the NHL Network as well. So make sure you mark your calendars. Head over to the AHL's uh, website for the full broadcast schedule. But glad to see uh, some national coverage coming to this league. That of course we love to cover. We've known for a long time that the AHL is uh, pretty darn cool. So glad everyone else is catching up. Um, just want to briefly mention three names who were in the news this week who are form who who should be well known to either Montreal Canadiens or Philadelphia Flyers fans. Uh, Flyers, we'll start with you. Uh, Cole Bardrow is a name for the Phantoms of particularly, uh, which is well known. Uh, Cole played for Lehigh Valley for for quite some time. He's put up uh, quite a lot of <laughs> quite a lot of games. Um, 
and he now is playing for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, but got called up uh, to make his NHL debut this week. Uh, He played for the better part of five seasons with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. He was an alternate captain one year um, and uh, made made his debut. Didn't get on the score sheet, but he did at the age of 26, um, undrafted, I believe, uh, now made his NHL debut this week. So stick taps to Cole Bardrow just goes to show hard work and persistence does pay off. (laughs) Um, But Rick, want to mention one of those games that the Lehigh Valley Phantoms played this past week uh, was their home game on Saturday night against the uh, against Springfield. And if you remember, over the summer, you and I were tracking all of last year's Laval Rocket players. Where were the, the ones who were not coming back? Where were they ending up? And we kept lamenting, but Dan Audette hasn't signed. But Dan Audette hasn't signed. But where is Dan Audette going to end up? And at the very last minute, Springfield signed him. And he played on uh, Saturday night in Allentown. And he made himself known, had a goal during the game and a goal during the shootout. Um, it was just good to see, uh, kind of wanted to just let everyone know that Dan Audette's doing all right <laughs> and still has a bit of that scoring touch. Um, and it's good to see him doing well. And uh, last but not least, now, Rick, this one, Jared Tenorti, We I feel like we've talked about Jared Tenorti a few times in the last couple of weeks, probably because Laval was just in Milwaukee visiting the Admirals, and that is where Jared Tenorti is now the captain. Um, he made news this week for maybe not <laughs> more, a, more of a notorious reason. Uh, if you have not seen it, be sure to go and, and look up on YouTube uh, the absolute debacle on the ice that happened this weekend between the Milwaukee Admirals and the Colorado Eagles and and Rick it was I mean I I think I think there was something like each team had almost like 80 penalty minutes or something uh, numbers of fights and and so on and so forth and guy one of the guys that was in the penalty box was continuing to yap after a fight was done and Jared Tenorti came off the bench this guy came out of the penalty box and well I think they got into a little bit of a tussle, but I enjoyed the the tweet that you retweeted that basically said you don't want to mess with Jared Tenorti because no. he really took him to task. He took care of business. He's a tough customer. And, um, I mean, the Canadians fans um, like to mock, I guess, uh, Jared Tenorti, but uh, at the AHL level, he is is still – uh, he's tough and, and uh, took down AJ Greer uh, and looked like he was ready to go through the, uh, do a line brawl all by himself. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it is what it looked like uh, in short measure dispatched AJ Greer. And, and, uh, and it's funny, if you look at the uh, penalty minutes, the penalty minute leaders in the AHL, you have AJ Greer, number one, uh, with 44 minutes in penalties and Jared Tenorti number two uh, at 34 minutes in penalties. <laughs> nice. uh, um, just, just again, this is just a number and just a side note. Um, you might, might be surprised at this, but the uh, minor penalty leader in the AHL right now is none other than uh, meek and mild Otto Leskinen. Uh, Otto Leskinen leads the <laughs> NHL 
in minor penalties with six minors uh, so far this season. And part of his uh, getting acclimatized to the North American game, I suppose. I suppose so. We'll, we'll forgive him. We'll forgive him. He's, he's doing all right out there. We'll give him a little bit of an adjustment period. So, well, that is uh, just a look in at three familiar names uh, for the listeners of this show. Um, and who knows, you know, some people might like that Tenorti news, but those who, those who liked his toughness when he was with the Habs as well. Um, so we mentioned at the top of the segment, uh, Utica Comets forward uh, Nikolai Godolbin getting, getting the CCMHL player of the week this week. When we take a look at the rankings, there's something very glaring that you notice, particularly in the North Division, Rick. As, as I said in the first segment, Laval uh, has six points. They're, they're three and four, sitting in, in position number five in the North Division. Um, but don't get too excited about that because team number one, the Toronto Marlies, and team number two, the Utica Comets, are still undefeated. It's a little bit of a competitive division, methinks. <laughs> Uh, and Rochester and, and Cleveland are, uh, sorry, are, are tied at seven points right behind them. Go right ahead. And I was just going to say that uh, in six, six games for Toronto and in five games for Utica, uh, each team has only given up 11 goals. And that's, yeah. I, I mean, uh, Utica is, is scoring in bunches. Uh, nothing wrong with Toronto's offense, but both teams, both teams are uh, keeping the puck out of the net. 11 goals. Uh, both of them have, and that, and that's, that's absolutely best in the AHL. It definitely. Um, as far as the rest of the Eastern conference, the only one who kind of comes close to that is the Hartford Wolfpack, who maybe to some is surprisingly in first place in the Atlantic division. Uh, they've played six games. They've won five of them. And the other one they lost in the shootout. So they're pretty darn close to undefeated. Um, as you've said, Rick, I think over the summer you had mentioned that the New York Rangers was one of the teams that uh, at the NHL level folks should keep an eye on for the amount of changes that they made. But it looks like it looks like the farm club um, is coming with something different this year uh, to be to be leading the Atlantic Division right now. Uh, pretty impressive for them. Well, they made some big changes, and and we remember we were keeping an eye on them that their um, coaching vacancy had lasted so long. I guess I think mm-hmm. the last, yes, it was the last one. They were the last ones, yeah. Uh, at the pro level, so um, obviously um, the the recipe was the right one, and and they're off to a great start. And we know a name on on that team as well. Charlie Lindgren's brother Ryan Lindgren plays for the Hartford Wolfpack, so. Um, part of that defensive core there. Um, so as far as the rest of the Atlantic division, uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are also sitting in fifth place. They are two, one, one, and one um, so far. And out West, uh, the Iowa wild are, are lighting up the central division. They also have five wins and one shootout loss for 11 points. Uh, and the Stockton heat, I feel like we always say the Stockton heat, um, doing well there in the Pacific division. They are five and one. There's one team though, Rick, I hate to say this. There's one team left in the league who hasn't yet won a game. Now, granted, they've only played four games, 
But there is still one winless team in the league, and that's in the Pacific Division, and it is the San Diego Gulls, one of the leading teams in the Pacific Division last year. Indeed, so, they were, and and they're yeah. with a, a new head coach this year, and uh, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not going so well so far. But as you say, it's early, just four games in. That's right. We will be sure to keep our tabs on the standings and the rankings as the season progresses. As we say, we know it's early, but like to kind of see how 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 teams are doing right out of the gate. Uh, and so far for the Phantoms and Laval, it's been okay. Both of them are in fifth place in their respective divisions uh, with with plenty of games coming up this week uh, to uh, to either help or hurt. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we are going to go beyond the AHL, um, have a quick mention about uh, an OHL tournament coming up, and then talk a little bit more about player interviews and what you can take out of them. So don't go anywhere. Be sure you come back right after this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Rick Stevens, and we're back for our third segment, going beyond the AHL. Of course, again, let me remind you, if uh, you'd like to talk with us on Twitter at all during the week, whether you've got questions, comments, or just some feedback in general, want to chat about hockey, be sure to find us at the AHL Report, uh, and we would love to hear from you. Now, Rick, the first little order of business I want to take care of in this segment. You had mentioned this to me. This was a a piece of news that that you saw come across uh, your computer screen, and that was uh, that Alan McShane has been, uh, Montreal Canadiens prospect Alan McShane, has uh, made the roster for a special tournament coming up. Is that correct? Yeah, there's uh, the the annual um, tournament, which pits the players from the CHL uh, against a uh, visiting Russian team um, is uh, uh, the rosters have been announced uh, for each of the Q, the QMH, QMJHL, uh, the OHL, and the, the WHL. And the Montreal Canadiens have 
a representative on each of the OHL and uh, the WHL teams. Um, uh, it's Cole Fonstad, uh, fourth round pick in the 2018 draft, uh, who will be on the team WHL facing uh, the, the Russian, uh, the, the super series, as they call it. Um, Fonstad started the season with uh, Prince Albert, Prince Albert Raiders, and then was traded uh, after a great start, traded to uh, the Everett Silvertips. Um, so he'll be part of Team WHL. And Alan McShane, uh, same draft, same round, fourth round, uh, 2018. Um, and he's a member of the Oshawa Generals. He'll also be playing in the tournament, uh, but for the Team OHL. Um, and, uh, and he'll be part of that. So that's, that's always a great uh, tournament to to watch uh, those games as, as the Russians make their way across Canada and um, the Canadians will have two members uh, representing them in the tournament. That's wonderful. And uh, always good when, when your team's prospects are chosen for, for tournaments like this Um, testament to their hard work and their skill and their talent and also uh, gives them a chance to shine on a bigger stage. So we'll be, we'll be watching that more closely for sure, and keep you updated there. If if you're looking for it, just to, to add, uh, the tournament mm. runs between the 4th and the 14th of November, uh, starts in St. John, uh, St. John, Moncton, uh, New Brunswick, Kitchener, London, Ontario, and then uh, Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, and Prince Albert uh, are the locations. But that's between the 4th and the 14th of November. Perfect. We will keep you posted on how those players do. Now, Rick, the one, one thing that uh, we do, we've done a lot of uh, over the last number of years here at Rocket Sports Media is interviews. I think we've done a couple. <laughs> we've, lots, uh, we've yeah. interv- we have. We've interviewed players. We've interviewed potential draftees. We've interviewed coaches and GMs and fellow members of the media and we've talked to scouts and we've, we've talked to all sorts of people, uh, interviewed lots of people. And I mean, we can talk about, (laughs) we can talk about good and bad interviews on a, on a, on a different day. But the one thing that I, that I think you and I have, have spoken with this kind of off the mic a few times about how, you know, players and coaches, particularly in sports media, so much focus is put on quotes and answers that come out of press conferences, post-game scrums, even one-on-one interviews. Um, And quotes get pulled out. Sometimes they're not pulled out with context, and so they can be sometimes twisted to sound like they're saying one thing or painting a certain narrative when that might not be the true intention of the person who, who said that particular thing. Another thing that tends to happen, particularly um, with audio interviews and video interviews is that people just kind of take the interview at face value. Um, And the one thing that we just wanted to talk about a little bit is kind of the art of reading between the lines, particularly in sports media interviews, reading between the lines and reading and understanding the interviewee's body language and facial expressions, because those tend to speak 
volumes beyond the words that come out of their mouth. Uh, we hear all the time, oh, we get so tired of hearing the canned responses. Well, those are auto-programmed into players after a certain amount of time. And so you're going to hear the same things come out of their mouths day in and day out, typically. Um, but when you watch them and when you really read how they're saying it, the tone in which they're saying it, the facial expressions they're making while they're saying it, you can, you can read more of their intent beyond what they've said. And you and I just kind of wanted to talk about it briefly because there's, there's a lot of times when, you know, you see and hear player interviews and, and hockey Twitter takes them and runs with them saying, Oh, look, this person said X, Y, Z. So everything's fine or everything's a, dumpster fire or whatever and and it's like well if you paid attention a little bit more or looked for x y and z you'd see that's not exactly what that person was saying and i think that comes up quite often yeah it it does and you know it was something when when started in this business 10 years ago that um i was curious really curious about because uh, things weren't always as they seemed and and there was a particular member of the montreal media I uh, worked for the Montreal Gazette. Uh, some people will know who I'm talking about. Um, he's not there anymore. So, um, uh, who used to come out and and it was they had the gold. They they had they had the the press pass. Uh, so they they had the gold and and here's the quote and and we have it and you don't sort of thing. Uh, and and it was just, uh, but there was never any uh, context and and as you said. Um, context is very meaningful, meaningful, uh, reading body language, reading eyes, reading, um, uh, having a history with a player to, uh, you know, a history of interviews to know how, what things mean. And, and mm-hmm. as I've said many times, many times information without context is meaningless and, and, uh, but it's also an opportunity to be able to twist the meaning. Um, so I think we've learned that um, and just off the top, I can think of five different kinds of of interviews. Uh, and you've talked about the 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 canned, cliched res- responses that um, are so common in in um, in sports, and particularly hockey. And it's because players usually, when they stray off that path, they get themselves in in trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's those kind of interviews. There's there's the kind of guys who come out and they only want to talk about the team. Uh, you know, not, they don't want to talk about themselves. They only want to talk right. about the team. That's a different kind of interview, although it may include some cliched kind of responses, but it's, it's a different category, I think. Um, there's there's the the interviewees who are just i mean they're the Brad Marchand they're just an ass you know they come out and they yeah. say things um yeah it's it, there's those kind of interviews um entertaining maybe but but don't really contribute anything um and then there's there's uh there's off the record interviews which um which don't go to to air that that are used for uh, background information and that that help inform our understanding of what's going on, mm-hmm. and um, that's a really important uh, type of interview that we do 
may even may may just be a conversation, maybe an interview uh, that we don't publish, but that help us in our understanding. And then there's there's the last one, which is is kind of a genuine interview, and and those those genuine interviews come out when um, a player is inexperienced. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, they can come out when a player is comfortable with a particular reporter. Um, and there's, there's times that those kinds of genuine, uh, interviews come out when a player is really emotional. And so you right. get the, the, the bare emotions and the truth more, more closer to the truth than you would, uh, otherwise. So I think that's the kind of, and sorting all that out, sorting out, what are they doing? Um, what are they typical of? Uh, what, what's our reference point? Uh, have we interviewed them before and, and what do they typically say? And is this different uh, as well as being able to read that, that, that the nonverbal cues as well is it takes a bit of skill and, and it's different with each player. Um, and it's why uh, the quotes printed in a, in a, in a, in a, in a post game uh, interview from a scrum or or from a practice aren't very meaningful. Uh, they require some interpretation and, and we've learned how to do that. Um, and um, I, I, I think we do a pretty good job of it. I think we do as well. It's also why um, most of our interviews that we do um, are also captured on video uh, because it's a lot easier to understand the emotion of of an interview or the intent uh, when you can see the person uh, so we try we try to do that with with a lot of our interviews um, and it's and that's you know should should also say you know that's not to knock anyone who who hears quotes or watches an interview or listens to an interview and and takes it for face value because most people would do that would say okay well they said this so it must mean that um, it's more of it's it's more of us trying to be helpful and saying question everything um, and and pay attention to the whole person who's being interviewed, not just the words that they're speaking, um, because their body language is going to tell you a lot. Uh, if they have an aggressive stance, if they have an uncomfortable stance, uh, if they have um, you know if they look like they're they're trying to challenge what's being asked of them you will also be able to tell if they're if they're saying something that they don't really mean but they know it's just what they have to say um and and the same goes for their facial expressions as well um you know rick we've seen we've seen you talked about it in the in the first segment uh when ryan paling came down uh from from training camp with montreal his reactions in interviews for these last couple of weeks, uh, particularly his facial expressions um, have told us a lot because partially because we're looking for it and partially because we've interviewed Ryan a bunch of times um, prior to this, Uh, all of his time spent with USA hockey. We've, we've interviewed, we've interviewed Ryan a lot after he, after he got drafted and before he made it to Montreal um, and so we've picked up, we, we've picked up on things that, oh, he doesn't look like he's, he's really too happy about that. And that's where, you know, you've been able to make insights or we've been able to make insights and say, you know, my gosh, yes, you can hear the emotion in his voice that he's not very happy, but you can also see 
where he's just kind of churning out things that he knows he's supposed to say, because that's what he's supposed to say. Yeah, there's, um, you know, and it, it, we, we've said it's important for us. You know, w- why do we why do we uh, focus on on junior hockey or uh, NCAA hockey or, um, you know, these these to, to some um irrelevant kind of games, the all American prospects game, all that it's, Mm -hmm. it's to, to build uh, uh, a bit of a resume on a a bio on each player. So we know what to expect when they get to the point and we know, uh, and we, we check in on them many times so that we know uh, we can see the evolution in, in not only their play, but also the way that they're dealing with, with the media as, as they're coached in that as well. Um, and, and it's something that, uh, not, not everyone, uh, necessarily realizes, uh, not everyone is good at, or not everyone cares about. Um, we've seen a number of interviewers, particularly in, in Montreal, uh, who are more, um, interested in, um, hearing themselves, uh, ask the question, uh, than they are mm-hmm. in necessarily listening to the answers. So their questions are preposterous. Uh, mm-hmm. Or maybe put put a player in an uncomfortable position. We've seen that several times this season. And we've also seen players react uh, accordingly. Um, um, and at, at some point, um, you know, this, this goes back uh, a couple of years now, players will react. Uh, and we have we've been there when players have dressed down a, a, a journalist um, and mm-hmm. uh, for for a season or worth of, of uh, bad questions or or irresponsible kind of questions. And and um, so we've seen this year <laughs> um, so far, um, we've seen some eye rolls. Uh, mm-hmm. To certain questions, we've seen certain stances and postures and looks in eyes uh, when when they don't appreciate the question, or when they just uh, you know uh, think to themselves, "How quickly can I get out of here? And how how, how much longer do I have to stand beside this jerk?" Um, we've seen yeah. that, and 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 uh, so our, a quote that comes out of an interview like that don't necessarily take it um, at, at face value. There's all kinds of things be, behind that that's, go, that's going on. There is. And I know, you know, I can only speak for myself as far as my interview technique. Um, and for those who don't, maybe I should, and I should say this for maybe those who don't know, my interviewing technique and the way I read interviews and so forth doesn't, just come from my my years of experience here with Rocket Sports Media and doing sports sports journalism. Um, in another lifetime, I was a television reporter and producer for a PBS affiliate here in the United States. Um, and so I, I mean, my my job was to interview people. My job was to read people in interviews, and my job was to get the best possible answers out of people. And so those are the resources I tap into when I interview a player, a coach, a GM, a scout, whoever it may be. Um, And so I approach an interview, I think because of the experience I had out as a journalist outside of sports media, I approach my interviews, whether it's a one-on-one or it's a post-game scrum 
or it's a press conference, I approach my interviews probably a lot differently than most other sports media people do. Um, And for that reason, you know, I won't, I refuse to ask questions that make players roll eyes and, and get uncomfortable and shuffle their feet and try to get out of there as fast as they can, because you're not going to get an honest answer that way. Um, So, yeah, as Rick said, you know, we try to do things a little differently. And because of that, we also read things a little differently. And uh, we're just, we're happy to be able to, to have those kinds of conversations and pass along that insight um, to our listeners and readers and followers. Um, and yeah, a lot of times it means it's a different insight than you hear getting churned out. It's funny, just like hockey players tend to churn out canned responses, the media tend to do that too. They'll churn out the same narratives. So um, we don't do that. So sometimes our insight's a little bit different and uh, we're okay with that. We are okay with that. With that being said, I should preview what uh, kind of coverage you can expect from us for this week. Uh, we have busy week again. Uh, Laval is on the road this week. Rick had mentioned that they've only played two games on the road so far this season. Well, they're going to remedy that this week. They're heading off to Belleville to play tomorrow night, Wednesday. Uh, I believe they're I believe they'll be meeting Belleville 12 times again this year. So it's the first of many uh, played against the Belleville Senators. Um, after that, they head to Hartford on Friday and then wrap up their road trip in Providence on Saturday. We'll have coverage of all three of those games for you. And as far as the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are concerned, they are on their first road trip of the season. We had mentioned they started out the year with a really easy schedule. They played one game at home opening weekend two games at home the following weekend and two games at home the weekend after that. So they've had a really, really easy schedule so far. So they go on their first trip of the season. They'll be heading to Charlotte uh, and enjoying that North Carolina weather for Friday and Saturday's games. So we'll have coverage for all of that for you, keeping tabs on your favorite teams, the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and any other AHL news that comes along. Um, We'll mention, Rick, before we, we kind of give them some more information that uh, next week, you're going to want to tune into next week's show because we've got some really uh, exciting things that are coming that we're going to talk about next week. So you have to tune in next week to hear uh, some exciting content that we've got coming up. Um, you don't want to miss that next Tuesday. But in the meantime, you want to find us, first of all. So on Twitter, you'll find us at the AHL Report. You'll find Rick at All Habs. You'll find me at Flyers Rule. Uh, but then beyond that, be sure you go to the website, ahl.report. You'll find uh, all of the game recaps there for the Phantoms and the Laval Rocket. I know Chris G. Uh, has his uh, notepad that comes out every other week. Uh, so he's got some great insights there as well. So you don't want to miss any of that as well as interviews and, and videos and so forth. Um, and of course, be sure to hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. And Rick, there are three other podcasts in this Rocket Sports Radio family uh, that are fantastic for people to listen to all week long. And uh, where can they find all of these fine productions? Well, uh, your first stop, of course, is to go to uh, the website, uh, and that's uh, ahlreport.com, or you can go to allhabs.net. Uh, to get uh, the podcasts, or if you'd like, um, 
you listen to podcasts, you have your favorite podcast platform already, uh, what you do is search for Rocket Sports Radio, and you will have uh, each week four podcasts to choose from. This one from the Press Box, Canadians Connection, our live uh, podcast on Saturdays. You'll have Have a Listen with Lewis and Gibby and Habs Unfiltered with uh, Blaine Matt and Treg Matt on his way back uh, from Kuwait. He Woo-hoo! should be back uh, by the beginning of the month, and we'll welcome back and uh, sure wow. he's anxious to get back on uh, the podcast. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Uh, safe travels to Matt. That'll be great to have him back on, on this side of the world. Um, and yes, be sure to check out all of the podcasts here at Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, really great content. Keeps you busy all week long. Great for your commute. Great if you're out for a walk. Uh, just wonderful listening to. And yeah, tune into the Canadians Connection live on Saturday afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern. It's a great way to to join the conversation and, and be able to interact with Rick and Joseph live as they break down everything about the Montreal Canadiens. And with that being said, we are going to sign off for another week. We thank you so much for being here, Rick. This was a, whew, there was a lot of, there was a lot in this show. It was jam-packed. An awful lot, and uh, but there's going to be a lot in the week coming ahead. Uh, oh, yeah. The Canadians, a uh, bit of a lighter schedule this week, uh, but we, you know, there's Laval to keep an eye on. There's also the prospects to keep a, an eye on, and mm-hmm. uh, the University of Wisconsin Badgers uh, uh, jumping up in the national rankings that was announced, uh, jumping up from 17th to 6th in men's Whoa. college hockey uh, rankings. That's the biggest week-to-week jump in the 22 years they've been part of the program, so we'll watch. Uh, and, and Cole Caulfield, Alex Turcott, uh, uh, we'll be watching that. We'll be watching the Canadians. You'll be watching uh, the Flyers and the Phantoms. There's lots and lots and lots of hockey uh, that we're going to be uh, watching and preparing for next week's From the Press Box podcast. I think you did mention it. Uh, it helps when you don't sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I think that's the only way to fit all these games in. But you got to love what you do and do what you love. And that's what we're here for. So thank you so much for being with us for another episode of From the Press Box. We will see you back here next Tuesday. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week. And keep on wishing. Remember you.